Hey, chiropractors and marketers. We are ready for another modern chiropractic marketing show with Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing strategies, content marketing, direct response marketing, and business development with some of the leading experts in the industry. Dr. Josh Satterley, I think this is the third time you've been on the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. I appreciate you coming in. Today's going to be a little bit of a unique episode. We're just going to workshop some ideas, throw around some updates on, on what's going on out there in the profession. You and a few others I, I look to to uh, get some updates on what you're seeing out there because you're talking to a lot of chiropractors doing a lot of big things and, and I wanted to uh, touch base with you. So how, how are things with you? And we'll go from there. Yeah, man. Things with me are great. You know, I'm a big advocate of the clinic gym hybrid model. I think the popularity of that is growing, not just with chiropractors. I, I've actually got, I would love to talk to you about this later in this episode, but I've got a yeah. bunch of, uh, probably have four people I've come across where a local orthopedic group or large hospital has been like, hey, we want to pursue that idea. Um, so you're seeing it pop up more and more out in within chiropractic, outside of chiropractic, also involved in some other secret squirrel projects with uh universities and colleges. That's exciting because I think that given enough time and energy, those things will change our profession for the better. And I'm hearing a lot of great stories of success. You know, you always hear about struggles, but the people that kind of step back and probably follow your advice, Kevin, they're seeing some success and it's exciting to see that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to dive in a little bit on the orthopedic front. So you're, you're seeing some clinic gym hybrids working with local MDs, orthopedists on them referring or collaborating. How would you put that? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because it's there, there's a lot of different versions of it. I will say that. Let me tell you one example. Chiropractor in Southern Illinois, I believe he's purchasing a large building. So probably 5,000 square feet. I mean, in the world of chiropractic, this is decent size, right? It's not a huge building, but 5,000 square feet. And I believe his local hospital is using it as a satellite clinic. So he's in a relatively rural area. I wouldn't call it rural, but, you know, open. So they're looking at that as a satellite clinic to offer orthopedic, sports medicine, all the things they would do. And then they'll do surgery. They'll do consults there, do surgery at the hospital. And you're willing to drive whatever it is, 40 minutes. However, the building will be half serving the hospital. The other half will be this gentleman's clinic gym hybrid, they're going to refer over the non-surgical cases for rehab. Mm -hmm. So he gets that aspect of it. And then they're also going to push people towards the gym portion for training of young athletes. So when you have those high school athletes that coming back from an injury and and need some high level training, Mm -hmm. the hospital is going to promote that. And then also on the wellness side. So the, the moms, dads, grandma and grandpas of those kids maybe would be working out in the gym on the wellness side. So He's basically funding this purchase with this contract the hospital is getting into with him. That's awesome. Uh, I know. I mean, like, think about that. Like, if I would have told you 10 years ago, Kevin, there's going to be a situation where a hospital is paying a chiropractor to rent space. You'd be like, Uh, it's, yeah. I feel like the more I get out there as well, I hear about these types of stories where I kind of almost have to hear it two or three times to to comprehend. How, <laughs> like, wow, that's that's amazing. And a question I have off of that for you is, um, and put you on the spot a little bit, but obviously MDs, orthos, hospitals, they're used to referring to physical therapists mm-hmm. for stuff. How are chiropractors communicating with the orthos, MDs, hospitals on why they should send to chiropractors for 
physical therapy or therapeutic, you know, exercise, rehab, things like that. I say that the way I did, because in some states, I don't think you can say physical therapy if you're not a physical therapist. So, Right. Physio, physiotherapy. Physiotherapy, whatever it may be. Because but, patients definitely know the difference between those two. Exactly. <laughs> but what's the communication happening with these particular types of chiropractors doing a good job of getting the buy-in? Like, what are they, how are they presenting that? Yeah. You know, I just had this conversation with somebody this morning, actually on a little consult call. Mm-hmm. I would say the commonality. So since this is the modern chiropractic marketing show, I'll say it this way. Yeah. The common factor in all of these deals I'm seeing where you're getting in with a local ortho group or a hospital or something is that there was a relationship between the chiropractor and some decision maker in the group, okay. meaning that person had back pain. They went through physical therapy. They just got okay. And somehow they got hooked up with a chiropractor, got great results. And I'm not disparaging PTs. Like I teach for the SFMA and we had PTs and chiros in the room. And I I bust bust chops on both sides of the aisle. You know, like I love doing that. But they get some great results from a chiropractor and go, this is what we want. I want to integrate you. My personal interpretation of this situation is chiropractors are so entrepreneurial as a group, they're on the front lines and their sensors are really tuned into what the market wants. Okay. A hospital can screw it up for five years and still have enough money to operate. I mean, an ambulance is literally dropping people off at your front door. Chiropractors, if we screw it up for six months, we'll be out of business, right? Mm -hmm. So we respond quickly. Now, the things that you probably had to decide when you went into, uh, when you started building your practice five years ago are what the hospital is realizing now And so they're saying like insurance companies have announced, hey, we're not going to pay for opioids as a first line of treatment for pain-based orthopedic conditions. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So they're going to say, hey, three years from now or however long they let them do it, we're not going to pay you for drugs. Great. What are some other front, you know, first line of defense treatments for, let's just say back pain, because that's going to be a huge population. Well, we have physical therapy and that's about it, right? (laughs) Yeah. If you look at what the military did, they said, hey, in their VA clinics, we have a ton of people with back pain. Integrating a chiropractor, we can move six people through in the same amount of time it takes a PT to run one patient through. So the hospitals are realizing that and they're putting chiropractors in there and integrating them and forget all the political issues. Like they just need the help, Mm -hmm. period. And and what other big group is out there that goes, hey, we can deliver great care hands-on right now. And I think that chiropractic is poised for a surge because of just the hospitals that are going to be hiring chiropractors in the next five to 10 years. That's great. No, it makes a lot of sense. And it's, uh, it's kind of like natural selection within chiropractic too, is like, if you don't get it figured out in the six months, then you're probably going to be gone. Right. The the ones that are left are having that mindset of these opportunities and things like that. It's similar to people asking me, how do you get into corporations and stuff? And it's typically, it's, you know, running into talking to having a patient that, that is a decision maker and doing a good job of bridging that gap of how you could apply what you're doing in your private practice to a hospital or to a corporation. So it it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think a great example of that is Dr. Jason Holm Mm -hmm. out in Nashville area. Ironically, he's in Hendersonville and I live in Henderson and you know, we're totally across the country, but anyways, (laughs) he went out early in practice and just presented and spoke to every doctor's office that would listen. Mm -hmm. And now I think that his practice is essentially the bulk of it is made up of the referrals of like four or six local doctors, mm-hmm. orthopedics, sports medicine, primary care. But that's all you need. The only struggle when you're a young chiropractor, I'm sure you've done this, is yep. you you just don't have those relationships and they're not yet at the depth 
that will get you a serious referral relationship. But man, I would say like before I put an online funnel or I, before I set up a website, I would just meet 20 doctors and send handwritten thank you cards. And then I would do that. And then I do everything else, you know? Yeah, I agree. You know, it's one of those things where I think we get lost in the online marketing too much and we, we put too much reliant on that and some of the young docs maybe. And obviously I talk a lot about it, but the rest of the story is, is that I built my practice really by getting out in the community networking. Uh, and right now I'm actually working with our preceptor to do a whole community outreach plan. We just met today again and uh, he's really hitting the ground running and, and doing a lot of different work on it. So we're planning that out. So yeah, community outreach, MD marketing, all the different types of things you can do will help grow your practice. And then like you said, then you'll get a stable of referral sources that are just growing your practice. Yeah. Can I ask you a question actually, Kevin, because it's been absolutely me. I would say you've got to be in the top 10% of consistency with online marketing, right? Like you've been good about blogs and posts and podcasts and everything, right? Mm -hmm. In your career, you've been in practice, what, 11 years? 13 13 years. Mm -hmm. In your career, how many patients do you think you got purely from like social media total oh it'd be tough it's over like so this is something that never heard of you never was referred and i'm saying that social was their first entry into your office i would say what i'll give you a percentage probably like five to ten percent max as far as let's take it from 2011 when i started it i would say that's it and it's hard because sometimes it's like they'll run across something on social media, but they really heard about me from one of their friends. And then that just yeah. was kind of the, uh, like I, I'm trying to figure out today, I got a, I had a patient, a new patient that's coming in tomorrow. Facebook messaged me, hey, I need to come in. I said, okay, do you want my staff to call you? And by the time I replied, he's like, All right, I already called and scheduled. I don't know how he heard of me. I'm going to find out tomorrow. But he messaged me through Facebook. But a lot of times I'll, you know, people will make the mistake of giving that the credit to Facebook, but it could have been word of mouth and he just decided to Facebook message me. So I really try to distill it out a little bit. But yeah, it's not a high percentage. It's just a nice, I think what social media does for me and email marketing does for me for the most part is stay top of mind awareness for existing people. And I think it's really helped out my reactivations more so. Right. I would say like, it keeps your clients and past clients, like you said, remembering, aware yeah. of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I often think about that, but I see a lot of like young practitioners, you know, social media is, people say it's free. Yeah. It's not free. It's, it's time-based. There's no like financial cost, but geez, it takes a lot of time to stay mm-hmm. consistent. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you would take that time to go form one relationship or take somebody to lunch, yeah. long-term, would that work better? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I yeah. just, you know, people get caught up in the online stuff and I'm, yeah. uh, the marketing of it, that that's not how the big deals like in the hospitals will work, but yeah, just, you know, food for thought. No, it's true. You got to get out there for sure. And you got to be consistent about it just like anything else. Yeah. Ooh, maybe you should do a challenge, you know, first person to do 20 like in-person meetings or something mm-hmm. wins a prize. It's not a bad idea. You know, the one thing I liked about strategic coach, they talk about it's, it's a little, hard to replicate exactly, but they talk about the top 20 in the farm club and the top 20 is your top 20, uh, you know, uh, connections, referral sources. Right. 
And then the farm club are people that you, uh, they're there, they refer occasionally. It's not a, a top one. You touch base with them every so often, but you really develop a game plan of communicating with those top 20 and the farm club. And so mm-hmm. I would recommend chiropractors doing that, whether they want to call it that, or, or if it's a top 30, if it's a top 10, whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, even the king of, of online funnels, Russell Brunson talks about the dream 100, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and he says, that's how he starts every business is he finds the hundred biggest influencers and goes after them. That's the best way to do it. And you can do that in your community, you know, yeah. whatever, whatever your niche is, you can start tackling that and go from there with it. So, uh, right. I agree yeah. for sure. All right. What else is on the buffet of modern chiropractic marketing here, brother? Yeah. You know, we, as this episode's coming out, we have the virtual summit that started yesterday and it's, so that's the 14th and 15th. Today's the last day of it. Not too late to sign up for that. That's at uh, bit.ly forward slash modern Cairo summit. You can check that out. That's exciting. Yeah, um, you know we're getting ready for 2019. We're working with our chiropractic success members on that. So in December we'll be hitting the marketing planning for 2019 hard. So that's that's exciting. Uh, obviously Parker Vegas coming up. We have to Woo! submit that by December 1st. That presentation. So that'll be fun. <laughs> we just put up a, a couple slides to say. I'm in Stu McGill's talk. Check back later, you know? I know. I know. <laughs> uh, we're both, like, I think we're both like scheduled across from him or something. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's tough. It's tough, but it, it'll be a good experience. I'm looking, looking forward to that. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking to dive into an idea. I wanted to run this by you. I listen to a lot of podcasts, uh, as I know you do as well, right? Still listening to many? Yeah, too, too many, man. Too I have many. to cycle, yeah, kill some and find new ones and whatnot. Donald Miller, who we all know, he was on a podcast with, uh, what's her name? Great. Amy Porterfield. Thank you. Amy Porterfield. Not that I listen or I'm a fan of both. (laughs) I know you are a fan of both. He mentioned something that he's starting and he calls it the stories of transformation. And instead of the typical testimonials that we all know and hate, he's starting the stories of transformation, which he's going to pick out Basically, in his business, it's obviously business owners that are implementing marketing. But I, you know, obviously applying it to chiropractic, I'm going to work on this. So I'm still workshopping. I just listened to it a couple of days ago and I jotted down this idea. But probably taking one to two patients per month and doing it more of stories of transformation. You know, taking the ones that you know maybe it's not just you got this person out of headaches or something, but really you transformed them. Like they they came in not being able to do this, and then they left you being able to do this, setting it up, having the, my, my videographer come in, nice video, setting it up to where it kind of tells their story in that story brand way. And you label it story of transformation. I think that's a lot more powerful than a, a regular testimonial and maybe even have some clips of the treatment you're doing with them and, and them talking, you kind of going over what they had. I haven't workshopped it completely. I think a lot of people listening to this can do that on their own as well. I'll probably bring it up once I do workshop it. But from a marketing standpoint, something I'm kind of working on modern chiropractic marketing wise, but how I'm going to test drive it on my practice, which is what I like. You know, I can I can hear of an idea or think of an idea and I can apply it to my own practice, see if it works, kind of give some feedback to the modern Cairo audience and then go from there with it. So that's kind of something I'm looking forward to to implement starting January. Yeah, I love that idea. 
because it kind of strikes a chord with me because you were talking about strategic coach. And I remember strategic coach, you know, a lot of people, I think they're a good example of transformation because a lot of people think that it's like a business consulting thing. I don't think the impact is as financial as it's other places. Mm -hmm. And I remember watching this video of like, they said like, why are people in strategic coach? Like, why are you in strategic coach? And people would hold up a whiteboard, you know, a little whiteboard and say like, Mm -hmm. I doubled my revenue and you know, we, um, I hired five more people and all this. And I remember what stuck out to me was the last one was this woman who said, I got to spend the last three months of my mom's life by her side. Yeah. And man, that one just hit me. I've, I've lost both my parents. And just when I sit there and I think like as a business owner to have the freedom and the ability to go take care of your parents in their last few Mm -hmm. days on earth, you couldn't pay for that. Like there's no dollar amount equivalent. Mm-hmm. And so when you're talking about stories of transformation, I, I love that because so many times, yeah, it's like, oh, I want to get out of back pain. It's like, that's what you're saying right now. But what's the, when you're out of back pain for six months, what are you going to be doing? Is it that you're, you know, you're coaching again? You didn't, you know, cause you couldn't coach because your back hurt too much and coaching really is your passion. You just work this job at the steel mill to pay the bills or, you know, whatever it is. And man, I'm sure you've heard some incredible stories along the way. But the transformation, whatever they're giving you is that first line of, you know, their chief complaint is like, okay, that that's just a, that's hiding something. You got to peel back the layers and really find out what's down there. Oh, absolutely. And that's what I like about the story brand stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm going to try to implement that. And I think that will be nice to, to highlight that and show that, you know, you're making a difference and it's more than just back and neck pain. It's, it's life. Like you said. Yeah. It's funny because I think that also like throws to the side, like one thing that drives me nuts is this idea of like people struggling to say it's okay to treat people like eight, 10, 12 times, you yeah. know? And it's like for these people that are transforming, why would they ever not let you treat them? You know, why would they ever go two months without getting treated, you know, just to check in? Because if you unlock the world to them, they're like, hey, I don't ever want to give you up. Mm-hmm. Everybody wins in that situation, right? Yeah, you know, and I want to bring that up. I, I had a CSA member email me regarding that, and it was all about the the treat and release. and And he left school a few months ago, and and really felt like the only way and the only ethical way of being a chiropractor was two or three visits, one visit, four visits, like get them out of pain as quick as you can and get them out of there. And he's struggling with that. And I, and I let him know, I was like, no, I do a treatment plan. You know, like, you know, not everybody's the same. I've got some people where they're just, you know, I don't do the, I don't pull the crap where, you know, I get a lot of people that are transient and they move down here and they left their chiropractor in Colorado doing maintenance care and they come in and I don't try to get them on a treatment plan at that point. I just try to, you know, communicate with their chiropractor and get them just on the same maintenance, whatever. But if someone comes in with a condition, like they're going to come in a couple of times a week for three or four weeks, you know, and, and if they do better right away, then we kind of have that communication with them is like, okay, now this is the next step, right? You know, and we're doing a treatment plan. It's nothing outrageous, but you're doing them a disservice if you think you can only, you know, you only are allowed to treat them a couple of times. Otherwise you're also setting them up for false expectations, right? If someone right. comes, someone comes in with low back pain for six months and you don't get them better in two or three visits, but maybe it would have been the seventh or eighth visit, you failed them. And then you set this expectation that like now they're expecting to be better in one or two visits. And when they're not, then they go down this whole rabbit hole of like, I'm not going to get better. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's frustrating. And I remember I had Mark King on my podcast and he mentioned that too, is like too many chiropractors are not setting up 
treatment plans. I think they get scared of what's out there in chiropractic as far as like six month treatment plans. Yeah. Uh, but it's not about that. So I don't know. I, do you want to speak to yeah. that a little bit? Well, I think that the, the bad taste in our mouth came from chiropractors are doing like, you know, 80 visit plans, but the, the visit was exactly the same every time. Every time. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I've had patients that I probably treated 50 times in a year, I bet, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. but every treatment was different based on what their goal was that day. Yep. And I think that that's perfectly ethical. And I think about like in the world of cancer, like if a, uh, you have a tumor and it's going to respond between eight and 12 times to this chemotherapy. How many would you like to schedule? You're like 24 at least. I don't know. Like I don't want that thing dead. Right. Mm-hmm. But if I treat them three times and it's like, yeah, I mean, if you're doing one or two treatments on people, you're throwing out the idea of what motor control is all about. That's true. Because It doesn't happen. Yep. It doesn't happen that fast. It just yep. doesn't. Yep. And so, you know, you, there's no research that you can stand on to say you should be doing that. Now, should you get a change? In one visit, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think if you're like, oh yeah, we didn't see a visit, a change this visit, but you know, come back next time. I think you're standing on, you're treading on some pretty thin ice there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, treat people as much as they they need, and then as much as they want after that. And you know, that's probably more than what you're thinking because what'll really piss them off is they come in eight times, take off three weeks, and then they're back eight more times. Yeah. Like they'd much rather go for ten times the first time, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. You know, and it's one of those things where, yeah, I've got some triathletes and some other athletes that come in once a week or once every other week because it's just part of their performance care, they call it, you know, and sometimes you're going to get these super crazy, highly intense, active people. Yeah. Think about it this way, right? If you're a pro athlete and you're taking care of your body, what are they doing? consistent care. Now, if someone from the general public is super active and they have the resources to do that, what's wrong with that? Like if you were the team chiropractor for the Miami Dolphins, then you would be treating guys weekly for most of the year, right? It's so it's, I think there's this. I mean, if you're the the Cairo for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you could put up a good billboard that says Roethlisberger has been treated, I don't know what, 480 times in the last five years and it's worked out okay for him. Exactly. Now I know not everybody's going to be able to get the same level of care as a pro athlete financially. And obviously it's not their profession and time and all that, but we're not talking about having to do it as much as a pro athlete, but I'm just saying like, I want people to make that connection is where if you've got these people that are active, um, there's nothing wrong with that type of, of care. So yeah, it's this weird head trash that we have as a profession, but yeah, like I said, I teach and I teach chiropractors and PTs and PTs all the time are getting these six weeks, three times yeah. a week yeah. plans. And you look at their performance outcomes, it's like 30% pain reduction, 50% improvement in ADLs. It's like, my God, you're aiming low. But yeah. that was written by the doctor. Yeah, I, I agree. And you know, and I kind of touched on it a little bit. Another thing that I've been talking a little bit about and that book talk triggers helped me dissect that a little bit or kind of tease it out a bit. And and that is the difference between marketing and just operations. And I learned this through different things, you know, uh, strategic coach talks about front stage, backstage, uh, a lot of different entities talk about sure, anything Disney related is anything, blending those two. Exactly. Right. And I think that's something that chiropractors need to think a lot about as well is just honing in on their operations and making those touch points frictionless and a good experience. And if they do that, it's really going to be a huge windfall for their practice. And then when you layer on effective 
and ethical marketing on top of really good operations, that's where I think the secret sauce is for, for chiropractors. Uh, so I'm kind of looking at some of the operation side of things in my practice of other practices. Can you touch on some of the, maybe some great operations you're seeing uh, with chiropractors you're talking to? Yeah. Well, a great example for me right now is I've, uh, you know, I'm going to a lifetime fitness and lifetime fitness the physical layout of the space is quite interesting how they have it. Okay. And I think that there's a lot of marketing lessons in there. But for example, you walk in, it's a gym, but it's a high-end gym, right? So you walk in and number one, they always have flowers on the front desk, <laughs> which nobody ever says, what do you want your gym to have? Oh, flowers. But you know, that's yeah. one of the things. And then everybody at the front desk, it's physically set up that the people up front are standing up. Yeah. Because that, if you go to a Marriott, I mean, I've checked into a hundred hotels in the last two years they're always standing now and it sets up a totally different thing. But then I look at most practices and most front desks, excuse me, everybody's sitting down, right? Yeah. Like you stand up for people you respect, you stand up for people you like. So they're already standing up. So walk into my gym, they're standing up, they greet you. And once they scan your thing, they always use your first name. Always 100% of the people. That's nice. And they have a thing at the front. They say that their goal is to beat the greet, meaning they want to greet you before you greet them. You know, because people are digging in their purse for their their membership card. And it's like, oh, hey, hey, Kevin, good morning. Like if they know your name, they're going to use it. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. So physically they stand up and then you walk down kind of a hallway that's, I don't know, maybe 30 feet long. But in that hallway is all the salespeople. And Mm -hmm. what do they call them? They call them like fitness consultants or something, but they're salespeople, right? Yeah. Those people are the best dressed people in the building. Like they're wearing suits and ties in a fitness facility. That's awesome. But they always have their desk position in a way that as you're walking by, they'll say hi. So you'll, you'll hear hi at the front desk and probably two of the sales offices will be open. So you'll hear hi two or three more times and you're not even in the locker room yet. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're like, whoo, man, I love this place. I'm pretty damn important, right? <laughs> and then you go in and you throw your stuff in a locker, go upstairs. And when you get upstairs, once again, they have like a, I don't know what you would call it, like a standing desk, like a pod. It's like four computers in a circle. Those four computers are where the trainers are. They'll always say hi to you. They're greeting you. You still haven't worked out yet. And it's like, <laughs> how many times can you be greeted by the staff? And then it's really open and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Take some fresh eyes as much as you can and walk into your office or have somebody walk in and just be like, what is the first thing you're struck by? Yeah. I remember we asked somebody to do this in our office and they said, the foam rollers in the back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, foam rollers? And it was like this skinny little view you could see. But the way that the foam rollers were... Look like uh, that game pickup sticks where you throw the toothpicks oh, yeah. all up and they kind of look like crap when they land. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess you see that. Yeah. Your perspective of where things are because they're easy to use is much different than the way your clients perceive your space to look when they see it. Then think, what can you do to increase the experience before somebody ever encounters a doctor? Because once they encounter you, it's done, yeah. right? The, the image is set. So is the front desk messy? Are they people standing up? Are they greeting you? Do they have your name? I've told a story before. My friend that has a PT clinic, his waiting area is in the back mm-hmm. and his training area is in the front. So there's a person at the front door. You walk in, that person checks you in and then they use your name. So it'd be like, hi, Kevin, which is a cue for the other trainers to go, hey, Kevin, Kevin, it's good to see you. Thanks, Kevin. So by the time you get back to the waiting area, you've already heard your name five times. Yeah. 
And what what is it? The cool. everybody's the favorite word in the English language is your own name. Your own name. Yeah. Yeah. And everything else after that secondary. Yeah. But he has it set up that way on purpose. So you have to walk by a bunch of cheery faces using your name before you can even schedule or anything. That's cool. I actually, my front desk staff's probably going to hate me after this episode because I actually had my front desk designed as a standing desk. I have awesome. anti-fatigue mats, the whole thing. But yeah. the, mistake, the mistake I guess I made was I had architect chairs. So I have two of those. So when they want to sit down, they can. But what I found is they're sitting down too much. So I'm going to have to uh, tell them that Josh said to stop doing that. So I'm going yeah, well, to blame you for that. Yeah, man. Just... uh find a way to break them or something or, oh yeah, they're, they're in the, you know, uh, we got to send these back to Amazon and bad return policy. They won't be here for another six months. <laughs> exactly. You know. So it's just awesome. interesting. You can't find any major business that's done research on customer experience that doesn't have their employees standing right now. It's huge. I don't care if it's, yeah, it's the tire store, yeah. Marriott. I mean, Marriott's great at customer service. Disney. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen an employee sitting down anywhere at Disneyland if they're not driving a vehicle? Uh, it's it's important. Yeah, it is important. How come we don't look at that in our practices and think that that's so important there, you know? Absolutely. Uh, I think another thing that's kind of on the topic, but off the topic is, and I've mentioned this before, when you're in with the patient, if you're sitting the days of the EHR and all that now is we're just sitting there facing the computer typing the whole time. Yeah. One of the things that I've done is I have a doctor's stool I sit on. Mine is not tall enough to stand and type. So I sit, but I now I actually just face the patient and talk to them and just have the communication. And then I will kindly be like, okay, I'm just going to jot a few things down. I'll type, face that, and then I'll go back and face them again. So I make that delineation between the two versus doing that whole typing, turning your head to them. And you're just like, not, you're kind of listening, but they don't think you are. So that's something that I've made sure a couple of years ago that I started to do. Yeah. I, I think it's in um, how doctors think. Have you ever read that book with uh, Atul Gawand or okay. he might be the one that did Checklist Manifest? Anyways, How Doctors Think is a great book. Mm-hmm. Two things I'll share with the listeners. The first thing is how long, if you just let a patient speak, they've done research like this. If you just let a patient speak in their initial patient interview, how long do you think they'll talk before they run out of steam? So you just say, Kevin, how can I help you today? And I just let you talk. And everybody goes, oh, it's going to go on for 30 minutes. It doesn't. No. They, they peter out between two and a half and three minutes. Mm-hmm. The problem is that most doctors interrupt their patients at 18 seconds. <laughs> so, so you never get to that. And if you just sit there and listen and just offer reassurance, like, oh, man, that, mm-hmm. man Kevin, that sounds tough. Oh, Kevin, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. Mm-hmm. You'll get a very accurate history, number one, more accurate than what you're doing now. Yeah. And number two, the perception is that person listened to me. Yes. And that's a big perception. Oh, dude, if, uh, yeah. if you could have that with women, like if you just walked into a bar and every woman thought, well, that dude will at least listen to me. Exactly. Like shooting fish in a barrel, baby. It's awesome. So the second thing on that, I remember they said, like, if you walk in and talk to a patient uh-huh. and you just like track the, the like satisfaction numbers, if you just sit there with nothing in your hands, let's say it's a six. Mm-hmm. If you have a clipboard with paper, it's like a seven. If you're writing notes, that's like a nine. Now, your notes, they have no idea what you're writing. You could be drawing lines and circles. Mm-hmm. It's a nine. But then they decided with the advent of EMR doing the same thing and typing on a computer yeah. is about as even as walking in with nothing. Yeah. It's a six. 
So something about us writing down exactly how it is feels like you care. Yeah, I think writing is personal and people like the same thing as getting a letter in the mail. Like it's like, it's just like, it's an effort. It's a personal thing. People, I think, equate that to really driving it home and, and, and getting it down. Whereas typing is very impersonal. Yeah, so. it feels sterile, right? And and yeah. people don't want that. Ironically, they want sterile treatment environments, but they don't want <laughs> exactly. sterile inter- relationships, right? So uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time. One thing I wanted to mention, and, and I did reach out to you. Uh, you know, I think we had seventy something initial members of the CSA. We're up to ninety. Yeah. We have them fill out a practice audit, and yeah. I can't even tell you how many people under the goals section in the next. X amount of time frame it was mentioned that they wanted to have a clinic gym hybrid. Uh, I remember texting you that saying, you know, how much feedback we're getting for people having that goal. Can you let them know what is the best way for them to kind of run into that? And then just highlight, you don't have to name a name, but a, a new member or someone recent that is got some really good goals that they're attaining and, and what to expect in that type of process. Whew. All right. So number one, uh, they can always go to our website, which we just updated with our accelerator light program. So that was, we had this big program that was pretty high dollar and it was a lot of time with me and a lot of online lessons and a, you know, developing a website logo. And what I found was there was a market that wanted something a little more streamlined, wanted to do the online piece and just a few phone calls to kind of get their business up and running. Mm-hmm. So we added that light program, if you will, and it's at a significantly more affordable cost. Mm-hmm. Both of those programs can be found at clinicgymhybrid.com. If you just scroll all the way down, you'll see the accelerator and accelerator light program. And uh, let's see, so some successes, if you, I'll brag about some of my clients. Mm-hmm. Our mutual friend, Chip. Um, oh, Chip. What, yeah, do yeah, that one. Chip. That's a good story. He's the greatest guy to have when you're a consultant. Cause like when people go, I don't have enough space. I go, Chip's doing it in 200 square feet. Well, I've blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, Chip's already doing it. Yeah. He's already, he's, his space is actually smaller than yours. I literally had a guy say, you can't do it in 400 square feet. I said, well, I mean, you, you can do it in half that. (laughs) Chip was on the call for that. And the guy you could see was just like, Oh crap. You can see through my BS here. Huh? Yeah. The chip's moving to a big space, which is really exciting. And uh, I think he's going from like 1,000 square feet to 3,000 square feet. So yep. huge jump there and super excited. And, he, you know, even more impactful for, than that maybe is he's got employees doing the training now. So yep. he has trainers doing the training. So he didn't buy himself a second job. He's truly becoming a business owner, you know. So I love that. Good. Um, yeah, that's, a good that's good. Yeah. I got another guy um, in Chicago who is upgrading his space, going from a cramped 1,200 to looks like 3,500 square feet. Wow. He's already has a trainer that's offering classes, but I think he's going to probably triple the amount of classes that he's offering. Mm-hmm. And he's very specialized in what he does. So I think that'll allow him to work with higher level patient cases. The gentleman I said that the hospital is paying him to rent space. I think that's, that's huge. super... Yeah. I mean, the feather in the cap for the ego right there. Mm -hmm. You sending a hospital a note saying, hey, you you owe rent. You better pay up, sucker. That feels pretty good. It's cool. I know Dan's doing good. Dan Leonard. Yeah. Dan opened up a few weeks ago. Yeah, We're actually offering, we're putting on a webinar soon. So Dan opened up literally a few weeks ago. I think October 18th was his grand opening. So what, what are we, a month out from that? And he just signed up 23 clients into like a challenge for the holidays, get fit for the holidays. 
And I think he's going to roll that into the new year, which should double that. So he'll have a base of, he's already got, I can't remember, 30 members. That added it, took it up over the 50 mark. And I think at new year, he was probably going to get 20 additional to that. So he'll be sitting around 70 to 80. And uh, yeah, he's just, he's crushing it, man. Yeah, that's exciting. And he's another guy, true business owner. He has a trainer that he pays well that's just selling the doors off the place. And Dan just shows up and treats people and and uh, that's, everything that's else. The is going well. That's the model. That's right, baby. Like that's when you're asking me treatment plans, like that's one of the reasons the hybrid model works so well is it's it's a lifetime treatment plan, but Absolutely. delivering great care. So perfect. Well, I appreciate the time today. It's always good to catch up. I know you and I talk frequently, but it's good to get on yeah. air and just kind of see what's going on and get some updates. So thank you. Yeah, man. What's the biggest success you've had in the CSA so far, by the way? Biggest success in CSA. I like that. Maybe it's chip. <laughs> no, uh, I'm just kidding. You know, we've had a lot of people that have started to implement and, uh, and uh, the one that stood out to me has been Mike Stanley. And, yeah. Uh, he got onto the video train and he's doing it and he's staying active. And so he's liking it. And so that's been exciting to, to get his feedback. from. And that. he's in like a smaller town in Kansas uh, or something? Wichita. So it's okay. Compared to Los Angeles, a small town, but compared to yeah. Kansas, a thriving that's a big, metropolis. That's, that's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah, he's doing good. But yeah, we've got a bunch of good, good active people in there. And that's it's, awesome. Uh, we're up to the 90, 91 members. So it's fun. And uh, yeah, keep on growing. So that made a big difference in his practice, huh? Yeah, so far it's what he's that's what he's mentioned. So well, when you're that good looking, I mean, come on, like it can't hurt. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. That's why I avoid video, and you're all over it. You have like a video crew that comes in and shoots you occasionally. Yeah, wow. awesome. Uh, cool, brother. All right, man. We'll talk soon. All right. All right. It's always great. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show with Dr. Kevin Christie. Tune in next week for another episode that will enhance your marketing, business, and practice growth. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Dr. Christie's Modern Desk Jockey podcast and share it with your desk-sitting patients. In the Modern Desk Jockey, Dr. Christie provides health and wellness best practices from some of the leading experts in the corporate wellness industry. Remember, chiropractic practice isn't easy, but it shouldn't be overwhelming. Keep leveling up.